What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Hey guys, Cole here, producer for the Matt Sodnikar podcast, alleged super producer, but that remains to be seen. Hey, before we get this week's episode started with Downhill Brewing Company, just want to tell you about a product handmade in Colorado. It's called the Warm Front. It's made of PolarTech fleece, and what it does, it's a thermal bib. It insulates your core, it prevents you from overheating, uh, from actually having too many layers during those transitional seasons, spring, summer, fall here actually in Colorado. You can kind of get the whole gamut. Uh, it's super easy to use, super easy to stow. You can roll it up about the size of a pair of socks, throw it in a pocket, or even just hold on to it. I actually own a couple of these. I brought one down to Crested Butte for Fat Bike World Championships at the end of January. It was like 15 degrees before we even got started racing. I'm bringing one to Belgium at the end of the month uh, to go ride bikes out there. Versatile, lightweight. Pick one up, warmfront.com. It's got a money-back guarantee, but I guarantee you're going to love it. Now this week's episode of the Matt Sodnikar Podcast featuring Downhill Brewing Company. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. I have officially broken the record for my entry to a brewery. I'm sitting here at 9 a.m. at uh, Downhill Brewing with my friend Jake Mintern. And uh, not having a beer, sad to say, both of us. <laughs> but we have been plenty served in the past here. It's one of my favorite places to hang out. Uh, with that, I wanted to welcome uh, Jake Mintern from Downhill Brewing. Good morning. Hi, everybody. <laughs> We're not having a beer. It's 9 a.m. I got to hit the gym first today, and then there will be plenty of beers later. So uh, thanks for being on, dude. Um, again, this is one of my favorite places to hang out. Just love the product, love the vibe. Uh, have enjoyed becoming friends with you. And uh, like we talked about before we started the, uh, the episode, one of the things that I was, uh, why I wanted to have you on was the story about how your beer journey came to be here, but also your, your attitude with the brewery itself, if you wouldn't mind taking us through that. For me, my whole career has been uh, just kind of happened into restaurant management. Um, went to college for nine years, changed majors almost every year. I uh, was a 4.0 student. I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. It's always a question I couldn't answer. What majors did you have? I started as liberal arts because it was undecided. I tested into an honors program. Lo and behold, I was good at school. I had no idea. I barely graduated high school. And then I went to University of Cincinnati and tested into an honors program. And that surprised the hell out of me. And then, uh, so liberal arts and the chemistry and the biochemistry and the biology as a pre-med major and the psychology into dropping out and saying, I'm done with college. I've gone nine years. I can't figure out what I'm doing and I don't want to go get my master's to be a psychologist. <clears throat> and psychology fascinated me. But I said, if I drop out one more time, because I would go, I would stop, I would go, I would stop. I was always working full time to support myself. And then uh, I said, if I drop out one more time, I'm done. So I dropped out one more time and I was done. And I started managing a country club in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. <clears throat> Fell into that, making good money. And that was my career. And then I managed restaurants, bars, hotels, nightclubs, you name it, everything in the Cincinnati area. And then moved out to Colorado in 2009. Had a great job downtown, suit tie, uh, general management job with a kind of a big name restaurant out here. And then I uh, got in the argument with the owner one day about the amount of hours I was working. Just tossed the keys to him and said, you know, I'll see you later, man. Took like six months unemployed, just figure out what I wanted to do, longest I've ever gone without working. And just lived on savings and said, uh, I got figured out. I've always wanted to homebrew, though. I've always wanted to make beer. That sounds cool. So I read some books, watch some videos, 
bought all the stuff and it was like setting up a chemistry lab in my kitchen for me which is a lot of what I studied in college and so that was fascinating <clears throat> and so home brewing kind of gives you the bug which a lot of people experience you kind of get hooked and so I got hooked and I, I called my dad and I said hey uh, you know I think I figured it out man I think I want to I think I want to be a brewmaster. I think I want to get into brewing. He was like, well, why don't you own your own brewery? And I was like, that'd be fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, small problem. Right. I'm like, that's going to be a hindrance. And so he said, well, I do, man. I'll help support you. And I was like, well, all right, maybe we'll check that out one day. And so I started, um, took my beer judge certification program online and passed that. Oh, that's an in-person test. And then I took my, uh, took an online class and then I took my Cicerone certification, which was a big step for me to just say, I kind of know a lot about this now. So I got that certification, which kind of helped me get a leg into the industry. A friend of mine, Dave Bergen, we were in the same homebrew club together and I, uh, <clears throat> Dave Bergen opened Joyride Brewing Company. We both wanted to open our own breweries one day. And he beat me to it. And I said, man, let me be a part of this. Let me do anything I can. I'll manage your tap room. That's all of my resume. I'll brew beer. So I ended up being their brewer for the first two years and their tap room manager to start off and help kind of set up the infrastructure and all that. Uh, so that was my first job in the brewing industry. And then I did that for a couple of years and then transitioned to the Copper Kettle Brewing Company before Doug and I met each other. And then uh, this arose this opportunity popped up I was in Ohio at a friend's football game he's a coach out there I got a text from Doug and he says hey Tom and Marsha might be selling Elk Mountain a little bird told me would you be interested in that I used to be a regular here in 2011 this was the first brewery in Colorado I was ever a regular at because I used to live <laughs> walking distance here so I've known Tom and Marsha for years yeah. so I said great so let's check that out. We had a meeting with them the following Monday. As soon as I flew home, we had lunch with them. Talked about everything. It took about six months to figure out the logistics of buying a brewery, what that looks like financially, legally, licensing-wise, transitioning the name and all that. Then on March 1st, 2017, I signed the papers, and it's a literal dream come true for both him and I. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So you quit the suit and tie job, and was it just the hours, or was was there anything compounding that? Because it sounded like an abrupt decision, but I'm guessing there was a lot more that went into just tossing the keys back to the box. For me, it was... Uh, it was an abrupt decision, but for me, it was lack of passion. It's not what I wanted to do as a career. It's what I ended up doing. Right. Because I couldn't decide a path. Yeah. And so for me, I was always looking for what am I going to do with my life? And that was a weight on my shoulders I could never get off. And it was, it struggled with it every single day I woke up. I was always kind of in a panic. What am I going to do with my life? And when I turned 30 years old, that's when it all really set in. I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be a fucking adult now have it all figured out, right? I'm not my 20s anymore. I don't have a degree. What the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. And, I, and I thought I would just go on that path. I would be a general manager of a restaurant, make decent money, you know, get a wife and kids or something like that, which is not really going to think for me. But, um, and that would be the path. And that just sounded boring as hell. And that just sounded like I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the everyday life. I want something a little more adventurous. So... Yeah, it was an abrupt decision, but every day I'd been thinking about what am I going to do? And I never figured it out until I started making beer at home. I mean, drinking has always been part of who I am and, and a culture in my life that I've always enjoyed, mostly the social aspect of it. Right. But, uh, but yeah, making the beer was like, oh, it's 
kind of ironic because I started drinking alcohol at 14 years old. And I'm like, well, the answer's kind of been right in front of me <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I should have too close to the forest to see the trees. <laughs> and so it was kind of right there the whole time. Like, oh, I've always been pretty good at drinking. So, so to, uh, for us to be able to put together a culture here, and that is what makes me most passionate about my job now is the, uh, the environment we create in the social atmosphere. But people like you coming in, I get to shake your hand and say, hey, who are you? What do you do for a living? Who's your wife? Who's your kids? Who do you root for? Who do you hate? You know, where have you been on vacation recently? And having that camaraderie, um, a cheers type atmosphere is the reason I love doing this. Now, now the beer making and all that is also a big passion, which I don't do any of here. But I'm always kind of hands-on back there, kegging off stuff, cleaning stuff, uh, watching those guys breaking down recipes as far as cost and all that. I do have a passion for that. I love seeing all that part of it. But for me, being in the front, which is a lot of my job, at the end of a busy week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when we're picking up and getting busy, I make it my job to make sure I've got all my accounting and office work done. Then I come out here and I have beers with customers. Established customers that come here all the time, say thanks, like hanging out with you, thanks for your business, or brand new customers that have never been here to shake their hand and say, hey, my name's Jake, that's my partner Doug over there. What do you do? Where are you from? And all that, because no one's from Colorado, right? Yeah. So everyone's got a story <laughs> where they're from and how they got here. So it's fun to learn that stuff. Just yesterday, I met two people that have never been here before. And one of them ends up, he's like a big deal on social media, Colorado beer hunter. Oh. And so I, I meet this guy, talk to him. He's from Steamboat Springs. And I meet him and his wife, super nice people. Just shoot the shit with him for a beer. And then they leave. And five minutes later on Facebook, I see a photo posted of the bar. Lo and behold, I'm sitting there wearing the same stuff I'm wearing at the time. And I'm like, where's this guy at? He's not in here. And I'm like, oh, that's the guy that just left from Steamboat. Yeah. Super nice guy. But I didn't know he was a, you know, a beer blogger. Right. It's kind of a big deal in our industry. So it's definitely it's kind of cool. It was fun to meet those people, meet those strangers. And then next thing you know, they're not strangers anymore. Well, what I can tell and, you know, from the a lot of time I've spent in here and just observing kind of how you interact, I can't tell who's brand new and who you've known for years. And that's really kind of cool. And it's just the, the atmosphere in here is just really fun. We'll put up links to this on the, the site, but definitely come in and, and hang out and, and talk to Jake. It's it's fun. It's just a friendly, good time here for sure. And the beer's not bad either. <laughs> was a silver medal in the Kolsch, right? Uh, was bronze. Bronze, bronze. Bronze medal in the Kolsch. And uh, we just dropped on Thursday. I don't know if you've had it yet. We just dropped the double IPA on uh, Thursday. Oh. I, I will have it before I leave. It's, it's, dang, it's me into dangerous. It. <laughs> it's 8.2%. It doesn't taste like it. So it's, you got to be careful with that one. <laughs> so kids, yeah, start drinking at 14 and you'll get a yeah. bronze medal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moral to the story, right? Right. Give in to your vices. Yeah, we'll have to run that past legal before. <laughs> Sign here. So uh, you talked to Tom, you bought the brewery, and then... Um, just knowing business, I'm guessing that was not smooth as glass moving forward. I mean, talk oh, me through God, some of the, the headaches, the challenges. and I'll talk you through a challenge I'm dealing with today, uh, which has been my biggest challenge so far as a business owner. Um, so for, for Doug and I both, um, between the two of us, Doug knows how to make beer. He knows how to make it damn well. Uh, I know how to manage a business. I know how to 
run the front of the house, run the run the books and all that. Uh, those are our resumes, and that's what we do. What we don't know how to do is buy a business that's already an existing business um, that requires uh, a type of liquor license, federally approved, um, how to rebrand that business, how to do all this correctly with taxes and licensing, with our names on it, the previous owners, and how to transition to Downhill Brewing Company from Elk Mountain Brewing Company. So for us, we are still Elk Mountain Brewing Company until we can get our pizza kitchen up and running. One of the things we've learned is that license is a brew pub license, which requires 15% of our revenue come from food sales. So until we can sell $2,000 worth of Doritos a day <laughs> or, or have a pizza kitchen up and running, we can't officially transition the name until then. So one of the challenges specifically I'm dealing with today is the hood to put over our pizza oven. So this guy with the city of Parker wants me to put in a type one hood when my pizza oven is rated for a type 2 hood. A type 2 hood is just a exhaust. It's a chimney with a fan. Okay. A type 1 hood has fire suppression. It's a pulls a bunch of air from your atmosphere in here and blows it out. So we have to have makeup air that we have to compensate for with our uh, HVAC. And it's like a $10,000 difference one way or the other. Now, for us, the pizza oven doesn't need a type 1 hood. Now, for the city, that's what they want. So they're going to cost me an extra ten thousand dollars that I don't really have to spend. Yeah. Except for they tell me that I have to, but I'm not breaking any laws. I'm not creating a fire hazard by doing a type two hood. So I get to challenge that today. I get to go to the city and try to silver tongue this guy and let me do a type two hood with this pizza oven, or I get to lose that battle and spend an extra ten thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for a company our size. So absolutely, that's the challenge. <clears throat> so the challenges for us have been. Um, just the logistics of owning a business, being a first-time business owner, which I'm sure every business owner goes through uh, your first time, is just learning how to do it legally and licensing and, and taxation and watching the cash flow come in and out and what all that looks like. For us, that's been a pretty tough challenge, but we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting, like our glasses say, you got this. <laughs> so that's kind of what we live by. Is an encouraging uh, message to each other. Uh, you got this. Which actually comes from uh, when Doug and I were planning all this, uh, we took small business development classes in the six months it took us to buy the place. We were trying to figure out how to do all that, how to structure our, our agreement between each other. Uh, we were going to banks looking for a loan. We were getting laughed out of banks because we were buying a company that didn't make money. So banks were like, oh, great. Yeah, I see your 38-page business plan here. That's fantastic. You're buying a business that's losing money. How are you going to pay us back again? And I'm like, man, here's the dream. Here's the dream. And I'm giving them this great business plan. They're like, yeah, cool. Here are the real numbers. Get the hell out of here. And so we would get super pissed off every time we got laughed out of a bank. We'd go back to Doug's place, have a beer, and look at each other. And one of us would say to the other, hey, man, don't listen to that shit. You got this. Don't fucking listen to that shit. You got this. And eventually I was like, dude, that's it. That's our slogan. You got this. It's encouraging. Yeah. It's literal. If it's on the glass, you literally got this in your hand right now. And, you know, you're on the edge of a ski hill and you don't know if you can do this run. Fuck that, man. You got this. Go for it. Or you think about asking for a promotion at work and you don't know if you'll get it. Fuck it. You got this. You see that girl across the bar giving you an eye. Oh, man, she looks a little out of my league. I'm not too sure. Oh, fuck that. You got this. Go there and talk to that girl. So that's, what became, that's how that became our slow, encouraging message to each other when we would get scared. 
uh, from business advisors or banks or whoever is throwing shade at our situation saying, oh, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. They'll do it. Yeah. You got this. So that's what I tell people all the time. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I've got a list of stuff and goals and, and dreams and stuff like that. But, you know, people create stuff out of nothing all the time. And I think it would take a lot of the fun out of it if it was just a template and you could walk through it and do it. And I have no clue what's going on. I tell my son and my daughter that. It's like, ah, uh, figure this shit out, right? right? I'll be an adult one day. <laughs> tell people one of these days I'll be an adult. Right? So where did the funding come from? Was that your dad going back to that? Or did uh, a bank Doug, finally... Doug had some uh, personal finances himself that he came through with. And then my father let me borrow a significant amount of money. Uh, and then a friend and both of my brothers as well, actually. All let me borrow money on contractually, but pretty open-ended contracts. Like, hey, yeah. give me that money with interest when that makes sense for me. Yeah. Which helped a ton. So nice. it was, for me, it's what sprung me into that. Be able to get some skin in the game with Doug and be able to get this going. So, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that you talked about with you and Doug is that, um, that struck me is that you have sort of, it's a partnership for sure, but it sounds like you guys have very clear delineation of responsibilities and you're letting him execute his expertise and you're doing your expertise. And that, you know, I see so many businesses, both personal and, you know, magazines, articles like that, where people can't give up the control. I've had jobs where the boss will have his fingers in the marketing and now nah, it's got to be this way. And it's, I've seen it in a lot of books, hire good people get out of their way and let it go. We're big believers in letting the employee do their job, empower people to do their job. So I even simple stuff, a bartender will be like, hey, is it slow enough to where I can go home right now? And I'm like, well, you tell me. Right. You know, look around, are all the tables clean? Everyone got a beer in their hand? All right. And I shouldn't have to answer that for you. You're an adult. Let me know when everything feels like you're good enough to go. Yeah. And we do have a delineation of responsibility for sure, but we also meld the middle in the middle a little bit too. We both manage all the personnel. Um, Doug is more of a visual guy. So you know, say TV's here or skis there. What do you think of this? And I'm more of the all right, I'll do it. Execution guy. But I don't I can't walk into a blank room and tell you what I want it to look like. He has that kind of mindset to where he can walk into a blank room and say, what about this here, this here, this there? And I'm like, hey, yeah, that would be cool. Let's do that. Or like shirt design, hat design, stuff like that. He's more of, what if it looked like this? And then I design it and say, what do you think of these three examples? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going that direction. So he doesn't just make the beard. I don't just manage the front of the house. It's, there's definitely a, a mesh in between. But See, I'm the exact opposite of you. Like I'm the visual guy, right? but the execution and the details, that's where I fall off the radar. So I've learned you know, when I was younger that people that would sort of offer suggestions on how to get those things done, I would take that as criticism. Like, oh, no, I, I got this when I really didn't got it. Right. And so now anybody that is that has an eye for detail, I welcome their advice and input because once it's in my head and done and designed, 
I could care less about it because it exists. Like it, it happens in my head and now I want to give it to somebody else, right. which was why I was a horrible software engineer for 10 years and had just a <laughs> fucking migraine for 10 years of my life because I'd whiteboard all this and they're like, well, yeah, but now you got to write it and test it and make it work and compile it. And I was like, no, I, it's done. No, I'm the idea guy. <laughs> yeah. I want the booger eaters and the propeller heads to do that. Right. Like, like I don't want to touch it after that. So <laughs> but yeah, it's all just about being aware about your strengths and you know, and where you need help. Yeah, that creativity really cool. has never been a strength of mine, but I've always realized that I'm not much of a visualizer. But I'm, uh, tell me what you want, tell me what you want this to look like, and I'll go and do it. Yeah. But give me a direction, I'll help you pick up some ideas. I'm more of a numbers memorizer. And I see you always processing, and it's not like, indeed, I'm not sitting here stalking you, I'm just a student of just behaviors and things like that. Sure. I have that in my career. Yeah. It's just like, you're, like mine, your radar is always on, just looking for stuff and seeing it, and, you know, and it, it reflects, you know, I can tell, I've never, I've worked in a restaurant for about three months, but I can tell when the boss is there and there's you know expectations and treating people like an adult and it's a big difference when somebody has that attention to detail and that passion but also empowers the people that are there you know it's it's really cool sure <clears throat> sure so was there ever a point in this whole venture where it looked like it was going to go sideways? And I'm asking about that. And like we are talking about with the original title of this podcast, it was that moment where you just committed and it was dark or it wasn't going to happen or you just were feeling hopeless. You know, was there a moment where it was just mission critical and you're like, it's, we're on the razor's edge here. Like another second this way, it's going to crash. Another second, that's going to keep going. Was there anything like that that happened? That whole, that whole six months where we were trying to figure out how to buy the place was like that every day for about six months. That was a very stressful six months to try to figure out all of it. Just who's going to be our attorney and help us figure all this stuff out? Who's going to be our CPA and help us figure all this stuff out financially? And it's how's our partnership going to look legally between me and Doug and percentage of ownership wise? All of that. It's every day was a struggle until we could sit down and figure it all out. Uh, we took small business development classes at the Small Business Development Center in Aurora. Mm -hmm. We met this man called Santos Blanc, um, a volunteer over there, not even allowed to take payments, doesn't drink beers, we couldn't pay him in beer. <laughs> so, what is wrong with that? Yeah, guy? Right. <laughs> so Santa, Santos was critical in us being able to structure everything legally between ourselves and uh, get everything going because we were hell, we're still a lot more questions than answers when it comes to a yeah. lot of things, but we were all questions at that point. He really helped us sit down and take all that chaos and kind of organize it a little bit, put it down on paper. So there was never a moment that was left or right, up or down, you know, it's make or break, this one thing. It was just that whole process of getting there. Are we going to be able to do this or not? I was, still, I, you know, I was working a full-time job Copper Kettle Brewing Company at the time didn't have all the time in the world to dedicate to putting all this all together. We put together a nice organized business plan with a dream and all that. It all looked good with numbers forecasting and everything, but they're just forecasts, you know, kind of educated guesses. But no, there was never one single moment that was, this is going to happen or it's not. Right. <clears throat> it was just the process, the six month process. The whole thing was like that, but there was never one issue that was mission critical, up or down. 
That's good. But it sounds like with your... (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So far. Call me after that meeting today, which which we're not going to (laughs) discuss. But that's my challenge is that I'll get overwhelmed by the details sometimes. And I have to stop and I've I've worked very hard to figure out that what's the next most critical decision I have to make right now? Because I can't make 15 decisions. I need to make one. And then if I write it down and sort of scope it out, then it's like, okay, then it doesn't seem so overwhelming. And then I realized that I'm not supposed to know what's going on, but let's just, you know, take action and and move forward. I deal with that every day. I've got a to-do list that's infinitely long all the time. Yeah. A lot of my stress comes from organizing that list and saying, all right, today's Monday. How many of these things can I get done today? Because I can't do them all. Mm -hmm. So what's the most important thing on this list? Two or three things that I can get done today. And what can I pawn off till tomorrow or next week or next month or later in the year or delegate to someone else? So it's... It's tough and very overwhelming if you look at it like that. So a lot of times I have to sit down, grab a pint of beer, just relax. Yes. That can wait till tomorrow. We'll get that done tomorrow. We'll get that done later. This I have to do today. It's got to get done today. So I'll come in early in the morning and stay till late at night. You know, some days are really long days. You got to make sure you get certain things done, but... For me, the the challenges of organizing that infinite to-do list and realizing what is not absolutely critical today. And then for me, probably the biggest struggle even still is uh, life balance. How do you not just be a miserable fucker working all the time? (laughs) And yes, it's a brewery. It's a fun job, but it's work. And I, I don't really get days off. It's yeah. seven days a week. You're always on. If I'm skiing, enjoying a ski day, I'm answering emails on the lifts every time I get on the lift. You know what I mean? Or taking phone calls or whatever. So it's, for me, it's the work-life balance. How do you figure out how to be good at your job, put in the hours you need to put in, and be a quality person at work? You don't want to burn yourself out. Be right. an asshole to your employees. And how do I figure out days I can be lazy at home or grab a hike or grab a ski day or hit the gym or go on a date or whatever it may take my dog for a walk. That life balance is still something I struggle with every day. It's, it can't just be all work all the time. Sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes that's exactly what it is. But you got to get, you know, it's hard to make sure you take time for yourself. Like a lot of people struggle. Well, and I, I've realized that, um, everything's like a sine wave. It's up and it's down, right? And sometimes the job is high and relationships are high. The kids are high. And then, you know, my, my gym or my training schedule is, you know, cratering like that. And I've learned to process that it all tends to average out and not take anything that's out of balance too far. And, understanding that it's never all going to get done. It's never all going to be up and it's just cyclical. It's just, you know, life is a big circle. Yeah. And for Americans, I think we're growing up in that society and putting that pressure on ourselves. It's uh, get these things done. Keep up with the Joneses. Work, 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 work. And you got to stop sometimes. You got to sit back and say, what the fuck am I going to for? Yeah. What's the end goal? Am I happy? Am I enjoying my life? And if not, you have some important questions to answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm willing to bet that if you're working the same amount of hours here that you were working when you're wearing that suit, you probably have a different perspective on how that makes you feel. Oh, I'd be the next guy on the news shooting a public place. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. I couldn't do it. I think life has a funny way of directing you in a certain path, whether you like it or not. 
just knowing your own limits and I can't stand this job anymore. I can't yeah. stand this career path anymore. I've got to go a different direction or I'm going to be a miserable fool. Yeah. Know, those are your options. Either figure it out and find out how to do something you love or be miserable. Yeah. Easy to pick which one there. Yeah. But life will point you in that direction. It's funny how it makes you fed up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a software engineer, literally down the street here at the uh, Medtronic building um, 15, 18 years ago. And I was thinking they could pay me three times what I was making. And I was making like 77 grand back in 98. Right. And I said, they could pay me three times as much. And I would still hate this job. Right. right. The people were great. The job itself was awful. And uh, I, I heard this saying on another podcast uh, a couple days ago, said, the minute you chase money, God leaves the room. And they were talking about like artistic endeavors. <clears throat> and while my life has had a lot of ups and downs and crashes and craters, if I was still an engineer, I mean, on a variety of levels, you and I would not be talking about this and wouldn't be the person that would even consider having a conversation with you like this. Right. And for me, I want to have an interesting existence and, you know, time on this planet is short. Right. For me, the end goal, as far as life is concerned, is when I'm lying in the bed about to die, if my life were a book, someone was reading it, I just want it to be a good read. Yeah. I want it to be an entertaining book. I want it to be funny. I want it to be sad. There's a lot of sex in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I want it to be an entertaining story, too. That's how I want to live my life. So, look back on it all, and you know, everyone says with no regrets, you'll always have regrets. That's part of the story. But look back on it all and say, yeah, I gave it hell. Gave it a good shot. I did it right. Or as right as I could have. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched a documentary called Becoming Bond the other day. And it was about the first actor that took Sean Connery's place. Okay. He wasn't an actor. He bullshitted his way into becoming James Bond. And it's fascinating. That's awesome. Like, and as you were telling that story about, you know, lots <laughs> of sex and all this, I was like, oh my God, Jake is George Lazenby. Like you would, you would, if you watch this, I'll send you the link to it on Hulu. Like you'll be watching this. It'll be like looking at a mirror. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> if I can talk my way into a Bond role, that would be wonderful. <laughs> or even if I can talk my way into an Aston Martin, that would be. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's the whole fake it till you make it. You got this, right? Your, your slogan where it's like, we don't know what the hell is going on, but you've got to be able to see just past that curtain of uncertainty and just go, all right, we'll, we'll figure this out. Because I think you're pattern matching, right? You may not have solved this exact problem in that exact way, but you've solved other problems that will help go through that. Right. A lot of, you see a lot of people walk around every day acting like they've got it all figured out. And I kind of wear it on my sleeve and I'm very honest that I don't have it all figured out. Yeah. Every day about, you know, personal life, business, anything. A lot of us don't have shit figured out, but we all walk around super confident beings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got it. I got it all figured out. No, you don't. That's all right. Yeah. You know, just be a good person. Treat others like you want to be treated. Do your work well. You know, fucking live life. You don't... <laughs> People walk around suits and ties. Oh, I got it all figured out. Oh, bro, you don't. When you're in the <laughs> you dark room by yourself at night, tell me if you got it all figured out. Right. I'm sure you don't. Yeah. And that's okay. People need to be okay with that. We have so much pressure on us, this American society, to have it all figured out. Make as much money as we can for whatever purpose that tends to be. But that's the mindset people are taught. That's... But I think it doesn't lead anywhere. No, it really doesn't. I mean, you're just going to run around in a circle. I've got a friend of mine who makes a lot of money. 
likes to know people, <laughs> likes people to know that he makes a lot of money. And I just offered him a couple of weeks ago, like, hey, uh, you know, every couple of years he gets a better job, making more money. He doesn't need all this money. What are you doing with it? Whatever. I'm like, I'm telling him, I'm like, you got to quit chasing the money because it'll never be enough. Yeah. Your income will never be enough because you'll get addicted to that income and then you want more income. Your boss has got this boat, so now you need that boat. You can't chase that dream because it doesn't end. You'll just find yourself 80 years old, unhappy as hell, rich as shit. Yeah. I'd like to be one of those, not the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A rich life can, it doesn't need to be defined by the dollars in your checking account. No, I mean, <clears throat> chasing money, what do you what do you need to buy? Buy your fun shit, but it's not going to buy you happiness. It's not everyone that makes all that money will be spending it on. There's something probably missing. Boats are fucking awesome. <laughs> 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 I would like a boat. We're in Colorado. We don't have anywhere to take it. We need a friend with a boat. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what yeah. I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but out here, where are you going to take it? Cherry Creek Reservoir. Oh, man. Might as well just swim in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good on that. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, anybody that's got a boat that wants to take me and Jake out, we'll provide the beer at no charge. Got Takes it. Out on the and where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been awesome, man. Thank you. It's yes, been sure. uh, just getting to know you, seeing this place turn around, uh, the effort in this. This has just been, uh, it's a fun place to hang out. And I have no doubt that, you know, and I've seen it, you wouldn't treat me any differently because of this podcast. You just treat everybody the same way. It's just a wonderful place to hang out. Uh, the product is solid. And um, yeah, Downhill Brewing Company. I'll put the, the notes in the podcast link. And yeah, please come to visit. You will not be disappointed with the experience or with the product. This is great beer and great vibe. Yeah, thanks for the ad, Matt. It's a pleasure yeah. getting to know people like you. And this yeah. is why we do it, man. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Yeah, anytime.